0: Welcome to Utah Silvestre, a four-part miniseries of the Southern Utah Wilderness Alliance's Wild Utah podcast. I'm your host, Olivia Juárez. This is episode 2. Una nota si quieres escuchar este capítulo en español, seleccione el título para capítulo 2 en español. In the recent episode, we learned about what wilderness is. There are two things I mean when I say wilderness. First, wildernesses are places that are wild, natural, and free. Second is the legal reality. A wilderness area is permanently protected in its natural state through an act of Congress. This form of land conservation became part of the National Public Land System via the Wilderness Act of 1964. How fantastic of an idea is this? I myself am very concerned with how climate change is going to affect the rest of my lifetime. So the concept of conserving large landscapes in their natural state gives me hope for the future. But as someone who lives in a city where to get to the wilderness, you have to drive there, I don't get to see the ways that wilderness benefits the climate, wildlife, or my own community's wellness on a daily basis. And it's the same deal with people living in cities all over the country. In today's episode, we are investigating this question How does wilderness relate to my daily life? We are joined by Lyrica Maldonado, co director of Uplift, a youth led Southwestern climate justice collective, to answer this question.
1: My name is Lyrica Erlidica en Espanol, and I grew up in the Southwest, mostly in so called northern New Mexico and Arizona. Um, And so these regions are very, very close to me. I've been doing different organizing throughout my years. A lot of where I come from and where I sort of position myself in the work is, I think at the intersections of uh, migrant justice, climate justice or environmental justice. And also I'm still finding the language for this, but transnational indigenous solidarity My father's people come from so-called Western Guatemala, belong to the Maya Mam people. And so, yeah, I'm trying to really bring together those intersections in my work.
0: Before we get into the thick of our conversation, I want to invite you to pause with me for a moment. If you're not outside or can't see outside, go to a window or head outdoors for just a minute. And I invite you to take a look around you. What can you see that you would describe as nature? What colors fill the space? What do you see that is alive? What do you hear? Now what is this space that you just observed? Is it someone's yard? A park? The sidewalk strip? Or just the sky? Nature is all around us. You don't need to go far to see what the more-than-human world is up to. Like the character Dr. Malcolm in Jurassic Park says, life finds a way. I think when people think about nature and wilderness,
1: I think they think they have to be out like, you know, in the middle of nowhere with no cell reception. But yeah, I mean, nature is everywhere. Like, the land is everywhere. And I think a lot of our families have found ways to bring that into our homes or at least bring that into more urban environments. Yeah, I also want to say, like, our bodies are, like,
0: nature. Like, we're not just connected to nature. Like, we are nature. We are nature and we are powerful beings. You, myself, our families, our communities make decisions every day that decide whether life is flourishing or just surviving, no matter where we live our day-to-day lives. For Lyrica's auntie, this relationship with nature happens from her home in a city in Guatemala.
1: My auntie has a house. It's a flat roof, so it's a roof that she can get up and like do things on and walk around on. And she grows so much plants on her roof. And, and and a lot of times it's like she's growing plants out of literal trash, like plastic bags or empty plastic containers. And she grows so much. Like I've seen corn up there, lots of herbs, so many flowers. I think it's really beautiful because just being able to maintain that connection and that cultural history and, and custom is really important. But also I think it's just really powerful to see like my auntie growing flowers out of discarded trash
0: as we choose what the land in our cities look like just as Lyrica's auntie does in her community we also decide what fate our public lands will meet allow me to introduce you to some of the most important and vulnerable public landscapes they constitute 8.4 million acres of mountains and deserts in utah These 8.4 million acres of wild public lands are known as America's Red Rock Wilderness. They are the bright salt-colored landscapes of the West Desert, which is part of the Great Basin ecoregion. And they are the red-hued sandstone vistas of the Colorado Plateau throughout southern Utah. They are administered by the Bureau of Land Management, also known as the BLM. These places are held in public trust for every person living in the USA. Famous sites like Arches or Bryce Canyon National Park symbolize what Utah is to people all over the world. Yet these places make up a really small amount of nature and represent a mere thumbnail of the astounding beauty and ecological integrity throughout the state. Some places of America's Red Rock Wilderness are... Lands in Grand Staircase-Escalante and Bears Ears National Monument. Wildlands adjacent to the Old Spanish Trail, like Joshua Tree, Lost Spring Wash, and Westwater Canyon. Lands bordering national parks, like Gold Bar Canyon near Arches National Park. Areas surrounding national monuments, such as Hatch Canyon on the edge of Bears Ears National Monument. Beloved wildlife regions such as the Book Cliffs. Places watched over by the most ancient trees. Bristlecone pines like Notch Peak in the West Desert. Stansbury Island of the Great Salt Lake. And so much more. At this point, you might be wondering where all of these places are and how you can experience them yourself. Please keep listening because we're going to cover that later on in the podcast. Several characteristics set these wild areas apart from the nature in our neighborhoods. The first, and probably most astounding, are the starry night skies. Above Utah wildernesses are some of the darkest skies in the United States. There is little to no light pollution affecting most of America's red rock wilderness. In these landscapes, the stage is set for an infinite number of sparkling stars. The vastness just holds you in awe. Rebecca, it surely
2: does. Stars are like my most favorite thing. And it's the most peaceful thing. Whenever my husband and I or our family are outdoors, there's nothing better to me than just to sit in my chair and just look up and just look up and breathe. You notice your breath when you're breathing in and out and you're looking at the stars and there's no talking, Even the fire has died out and it's just very peaceful and there's just looking at the stars and then understanding the enormity of our universe. But I didn't realize that it affects ecosystems. It affects the rhythms of birds and animals and their ability to thrive because they're impacted by whether nature is dark or if there's a lot of light pollution. It impacts human health. They're saying if you don't get true deep sleep which can be affected by light pollution that that can reduce your longevity so as humans were affected by light pollution it's obviously a waste of money because of the energy that we have to expend for that light pollution it contributes to climate change and 83 percent of the global population lives in a light polluted area so that is a lot of people so anyway this is something that i've been tracking recently since i love the stars and i love dark spaces in terms of being able to kind of connect with myself and to feel at peace
0: clean water is a necessity that wilderness protects as well you might not think of water when you think of the sandstone deserts of utah but it's there the colorado river basin flows through the colorado plateau like blood throughout the earth's veins That same water pours through the faucets of more than 40 million people across the west. Colorado River water irrigates farms all over California's central valley, where much of our food comes from. So you can think of somewhere like Desolation Canyon the next time you eat fruits and veggies. Clean air is another paramount characteristic of how wilderness benefits our daily lives. For anyone listening who lives in an area where the air is constantly smoggy or polluted, hear this. Breathing dirty air is not normal. Every one of us deserves to breathe without risk of getting asthma for simply walking outside every day. Most of Utah's wild areas are not protected and instead threatened by activities that can destroy the air, the water, the wildlife, and so much more important aspects of America's Red Rock Wilderness. The Bureau of Land Management oversees nearly 22.8 million acres of public land in Utah. It's a vast amount. Through community-led public land inventories that have happened in Utah since the 1980s, SUA has determined that there are 8.4 million acres of public land overseen by the Bureau of Land Management, which qualifies for federal wilderness designation. The fact that any land here exists in the same condition that it had before Europeans came is a miracle. Wildness is a quality of nature that, by definition, we cannot create. That's not to say that humans don't have a place in wilderness, because that's not true. Humans have always been a part of America's Red Rock Wilderness. Still, what humans have done to take care of the landscape is incomparable to the elements. We cannot do what the rivers, wind, and sun have done for all of time. Yet, since most of these wild public lands are not protected by law or statute, any amount of Utah's 8.4 million acres of wildlands is constantly under threat of being used for methane extraction sites, mines, or even highways. Each of these activities would impair the life-giving qualities of the natural ecosystem and ultimately our own lives. When we talk about extraction, it's not just
1: extraction of land and resources, it's also extraction of people. So if we as a society are no longer going to put up with extraction of land, extraction of resources, I think it also means we have to stop extracting people. The federal government has been extracting people from Latin America to the United States for labor. You can also think of this in the way that different colonial powers extracted people from Africa For free labor in the US, too. And so, to me, a world free of extraction doesn't just mean a world free of like fracking or mines. It also means a world in which we're not extracting labor from people and we're also not pulling people away from their homelands.
0: The conflict between conserving nature or doing something entirely different with the land is due to the Bureau of Land Management's multiple use mandate. By law, the BLM must manage public lands for multiple uses. When we say public lands belong to every taxpaying person in America, we mean it. This is why there's a challenge to protecting wilderness. With every different member of the public is a different idea of what value the land has and what the land should be used for. The kinds of uses can vary widely. Hunting, preserving history, wildlife habitat, recording scientific data, cultural traditions, oil and methane extraction, recreation, ranching, watershed protection, mining minerals, and so on are the kinds of uses that people have in mind for America's Red Rock Wilderness. These activities are completely legal ways to interact with wildlands, but some can damage the land forever. Here's one recent example. A few years back, a company proposed to drill three oil wells in the Bitter Creek and Dragon Canyon area of the Uinta Basin, an area that is a crucial ecosystem in eastern Utah. SUA repeatedly challenged this project because it would harm clean air, water, wildlife, and even archaeological resources. Those oil wells themselves, the road networks needed to access them, and the trucks that would carry infrastructure and oil back and forth from the wells would leave a permanent and irreparable scar on the land. SUA repeatedly challenged this oil drilling proposal in 2018 and 2019, and we won. In 2020, the BLM had to deny this fossil fuel project because the company failed to properly analyze the impacts that drilling the oil will have on the climate crisis by emitting greenhouse gas emissions. Since then, the company has abandoned this project. For now, the area is protected, but it's still not permanently designated wilderness, so it can be subject to future oil extraction proposals. America's Red Rock Wilderness contains 5.7% of the carbon budget, which is the amount of carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases that can be burned from our country before global warming gets to the point of no return. In order to protect our communities, we cannot use the fossil fuels that are in America's Red Rock Wilderness. In so many ways, protecting wilderness is protecting our futures. Protecting wilderness isn't just a matter of protecting a clean and healthy environment someplace far away. For anybody living in an area where air pollution is part of your daily life, vast and distant landscapes have an impact on our communities. Over 20% of greenhouse gas emissions coming from the United States are released through fossil fuel extraction on our public lands. These emissions threaten our lung and heart health. If you've ever worried about those yellow or orange or red air quality days, you know what I'm talking about. Methane and carbon dioxide emissions, which also come from public land extraction, are the same greenhouse gases that are causing the intensifying heat wave and drought and making wildfires become more extreme. It's no secret that excessive heat can make people sick or cause unnecessary death especially for people who don't have AC systems at home or who work outdoors. So think about this. If the fossil fuels that are coming from Utah's public lands and public lands throughout the West are being extracted, then are transported to your city for refining and burning, the harm happening out there in the wilderness is directly harming you and your community. The harm done to community health is especially prominent for Black and Brown and low-income community members. This is because communities of color are affected by economic disparities and often live in areas close to pollution sources, like highways and industrial zones. A study in 2019 found that Black Americans are typically exposed to 56% more air pollution than is caused by their consumption of goods that create air pollution. Hispanics and Latinos on average breathe even more, 63% more air pollution than they create. This is injustice. And it's one that protecting wilderness can help solve because when we protect landscapes, we help improve air quality. We are all linked to America's Red Rock Wilderness If we decided that not one more puff of harmful air pollution came from public land extraction, then people who live by fossil fuel refineries will begin to see less pollution. Community lung and heart health would improve alongside our ability to breathe well and our quality of life. All of these benefits come from simply allowing nature to be undisturbed. There is a bright side to this story because the lands are healing themselves. When we let the mountains, valleys, deserts, rivers, forests, and even the most dry-looking landscapes continue to exist in their natural state, the impact on community health is massive. And the impact is even more great for wildlife. An area about the size of a football field disappears every 30 seconds in the U.S. because they become disturbed and developed for other uses. This is killing off wildlife, destroying habitat, and making it incredibly difficult for biodiversity to continue to thrive. So our community health is also directly connected with wildlife health. There are so many basic needs to life that public lands protect, water being the most essential. The water flowing through Utah's wilderness grows food all over the U.S., from the famous sweet melons of Green River, Utah, all the way to the agricultural valleys of Southern California, where most of the vegetables in our grocery stores come from. Food is even part of the picture in Utah's public lands. Wilderness areas reserve landscapes for plants and animals to thrive. Some of those same animals are game for hunting, for families to eat year-long. Indigenous people in communities situated in the Southwest for hundreds and thousands of years now have been fed by the pinyon and juniper trees and other native plant species. In fact, delicious staples are even grown in the region, such as the Four Corners potato, which is making a resurgence thanks to the indigenous-led food sovereignty campaigns led by the organization Utah Dene Pekaya. Wilderness nourishes the body as much as it does the mind. The quietude allows you to hear the sound of your heart. These are the places where your body naturally begins to de-stress. The sounds of nature alone lowers blood pressure and calms the part of your brain that works on negative thoughts. Take it from me. When you take in the fresh scent of the trees and see the magnificent colors around you, feeling happiness and peace is inevitable. People
1: really need to have intimate relationships with the land and I, and I also wanna say like, I don't think that means we all need to rush to the nearest national park or we all need to like take up, you know, outdoor sports or recreation. You know, for me, like one ways in which I've tried to foster a deeper relationship has been just going out to the same spot near the river here in Albuquerque and just really getting to know that spot. And what does it look like throughout the seasons as they change? What do the plants look like? Building connection with where you are now, I think can be really healing. And again, I think going back to what I said earlier, like Guatemala is, is very far from here and it's hard for me to get there sometimes. But remembering that my ancestors had a relationship with the river that runs through New Mexico, you know, had a relationship with the Southwest. That also brings me, that brings me comfort in the same way.
0: We know today more than ever that the world is changing and that change can happen rapidly. But what doesn't change is our basic need for health. To live good lives, we need to live in places that are healthy. Protecting wilderness can help deliver on that need at a local and global scale. And to make sure that wilderness is protected, right now what's needed is your voice and your opinion. Yes, you. The decision makers who would ultimately enact policy to protect wilderness need to hear from each of us. They need to hear from every one of us who want wilderness protected, to ensure that Utah Silvestre remains in its natural state. But who is allowed to be heard? In the next episode of Utah Silvestre, we will answer the question of, who is a public landowner? Do I have to be from Utah to speak up for protecting America's Red Rock Wilderness? We will also talk about the deep roots of Hispanic heritage in America's Red Rock Wilderness, which Lyrica just alluded to. Utah Silvestre and the Wild Utah Podcast is recorded at SUA's main office in Salt Lake City on equipment purchased through the generosity of our members. SUA is primarily member funded. Over 90% of our revenue comes directly from people who care for Southern Utah's Red Rock Country. We're proud of that because it keeps our voice independent. If you can financially help protect Wild Utah today, please head to SUA.org and click the donate button. Thank you for your support. The theme music for Utah Silvestre is Quasi Motion by Kevin McCloud, featuring a red winged blackbird. Cover art is by Mariela Mendoza. Editing is by Stephanie Garcia of Pro Artes Mexico and Laura Borishevsky. The producer and co host is Olivia Juarez. Co hosting and Spanish translations are by Amy Dominguez. To stay informed about Hispanic and Latino led wilderness advocacy, visit us at sua.org forward slash silvestre. We can't protect Wild Utah without you. To get involved, text the words Utah Silvestre to the number 52886 and follow the link. SUA is on Facebook, on Instagram and TikTok at Protect Wild Utah, and on Twitter at Southern UT Wild. Please follow us and subscribe to Wild Utah wherever you listen to podcasts. On behalf of SUA, I'm Olivia Juarez. Thank you for taking the time to listen. We hope you can join us for the next episode of Utah Silvestre.